1: is the best of two pros in a cup of joe with LaVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Some bad news for the uh, Deshaun Watson side of things. Uh, As this came out uh, yesterday, uh, that now a 23rd civil lawsuit has been filed against Deshaun Watson. Uh, uh, Tony Busby, the uh, attorney representing uh, the women filing these lawsuits, has said that there there potentially is going to be a 24th. Uh, The latest one came after the woman saw the HBO Real Sports feature on Deshaun Watson and some of the details there. So she decided to now file her lawsuit. Uh, so now, uh, you know, the representatives for Deshaun Watson have uh, denied it and uh, come out very strongly after the 23rd. But nonetheless, uh, the waiting game continues. And now I wonder if we're going to be waiting even more uh, for the NFL's decision uh, based on the latest, uh, because now we don't know how many more there are going to be out there. So lots of yeah, uh, lots there, there of was a going. thought
0: that there might be a 24th uh, that could be out there for not only the NFL to investigate, but for. Um, Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson's legal team uh, to, to try to go after and I wonder if they get tired of being like, OK, man, how many more are they going to be? Like, how many more? Like, how many more are going to accuse you of this? Just set us straight. Like, is its is it two more? Is it eight more? I mean, we know you've had massages by over, you know, 45 women at this point. Uh, how many actually are there out there? Like, if I was his legal team, I would want to know that. Because the numbers starting to get ridiculous. And, like, is there any end in sight? I, I mean, mean, in all seriousness, is there any end in sight? He,
3: on HBO, they said he would go multiple times a week. He had over 100 in a year. I mean, it's a lot of massages. a, a lot and a, and a lot of different yeah. hands. OK, and when, when yeah. you when there's that Especially many different COVID, by the way. Yes, that's that's the other part of this that that I, I remember when we first discussed this stuff when it came out. Everyone's like, oh, God, we well, went and saw these massage therapists and all this. I'm thinking to myself, wait, if you're the NFL and you were in such a panic about COVID at certain times and you were you were reprimanding players and making them sit out. This guy's flying or driving around the country in different locations to get worked on by different massage therapists. Going to their homes, going to th- going to an office, having them come over—like that's never been talked about. Like the, we're just gonna, you know, dismiss all that. So I just—the more that this adds on. Let me ask you this: over under eight and a half games, how much does he get suspended? Oh, I think eight's
0: the mark, um, but I mean, like ten doesn't seem. Outside, you know, the realm of possibility.
3: Yeah, uh-huh.
0: I, don't, I don't know. I, I, that's a great. That's a great mark to set it at. I, I'm going to say the under, but it's right at eight, and I almost, you, you know. I could see it being ten. I could see it being more, depending on how much more comes out.
3: Yeah, I, I think he, I think eventually the NFL is going to have to make a call here. I, I think he's going to get suspended. Um, and I think the Cleveland Browns are, are because of it, uh, going to miss the postseason because of how many games he's going to get suspended. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody's going to feel the least bit bad for him. Uh, as we pointed out earlier, a lot of people in the NFL not happy with the size of the contract, the guarantees, especially coming off what he has come off with. Let me just also point this out. Our friends at DraftKings, uh, they've got uh, the Comeback Player of the Year award uh, odds that are out. Uh, Deshaun Watson is currently second uh, on the uh, comeback. Why is uh, he on the list? uh, It is shocking. If if you bet Deshaun Watson to win Comeback Player of the Year, you are a certified moron. moron. 100%. You're a Nimrod. There's no chance that Deshaun Watson would be rewarded with comeback player of the year because the question just needs to be asked, well, what's he coming back from? Yeah. Uh, how about 100 massages over the course of a year, at least uh, at least a quarter of those uh, we're looking at potentially, uh, you know, we're not on the up and up, according to the people that were also in the room during the massage. So the fact that he's even on the list makes no sense to me whatsoever on that front. So well,
0: it, it just goes to show you how, you know, dumb sports books think everyone are <laughs> I mean, to actually think a the media or you know anyone would vote on him to win it is absurd in its own right. But the fact that they think people would lay money on it, like, oh, because he kind of technically falls under the category because he missed last year. Like, I would think the NFL would take the stance that, yeah, he can't win. Like, even if he did somehow get enough wins, which that would be the most hypocritical thing ever by the media if he did. Yeah. I, agree. I, I don't know that. I don't know that they should allow that to even take place or happen.
3: Um, th- There's obviously been a lot that has gone on with this whole story and we've been, you know, covering it uh, throughout its entirety um, and, and a lot that, that has happened and taken place uh, in regards to where, where does this whole situation land with you now? Or is it every time more comes out, especially following the HBO feature has, has your opinion changed from where this was initially to, yeah, th- he's going to get suspended. And, and now it's just a matter of how many games. He, like, where does this land with you at this point in time? This whole Deshaun Watson I, I just situation.
0: think it adds to the complexity of the NFL's position. And them not doing anything last year, whether, I mean, like, put it this way. If they put him on the commissioner's exempt list last year, they could have had him on the, that list for the entire season. And I think it looks like they would have been more actively involved and did something instead of just stayed on the sidelines and were like, well, we don't really have any information yet. We can't get any information yet. So, you know, at this point, we're just going to sit this one out. I, I just I look at it and go, well, if you would have done something, maybe it would look a little less harsh depending, or, or, or a, little, a little more justified if you didn't do something this year. Because it seems like they're just like, well, we don't want to you know, be sued and we don't want to really stick our neck out there and suspend him if nothing comes from this. The reality is something took place. It was either literally he's admitting to prostitution that was consensual. It's either that or it's even worse. So like any, any sort of punishment is going to end up being justified. That, that's what I don't understand about all this is he's always openly admitted to consensual acts in which he paid for them. He solicited for them. There's even in one particular case now, he even inquired to a spa to help facilitate these actions and, and facilitate these meetings. Good God. So think about that. I mean I, I just I, I think the only thing for the NFLs to tread lightly is as we talked about before, Robert Kraft and their their history with this sort of incident and how they handled that. Where you know nothing really came from illegally, so they didn't really do much, and so how are they going to look at it being twenty three separate accusations? I, I, the whole thing, it, it's it's not so much like it has my opinion changed on it. It's been the same the whole time. He's he's going to get suspended. It's to what amount of games, and it's just a matter of when. And, and, and the and, and the NFL eventually needs to do something. I mean, it has to be the season before he gets on the field, otherwise, to me, like they're the one that's, that has dropped the ball in this whole thing.
3: Yeah. And that was one of the points that, uh, you know, him getting the contract, uh, the women that were featured on HBO's Real Sports called it a slap in the face. And then if he's just out there playing week one, uh, and and all this is still going on and the NFL is like, well, you know, until this stuff gets settled in court uh, or until we have this discussion, uh, it's not until after the season so there's nothing we can do. I, I think they've got to do something. I just think it's an awful look for them as a league um, and, you know, we can talk about the Trevor Bauer comp and, and all that, but the NFL has shown that they will suspend players, uh, even if if found that nothing was wrong, that they will step in and do something for violating the personal conduct policy and if this is in violation of it, and it seems, based on some of the punishments that have been handed out before, that this is in violation of the personal conduct policy that the NFL put out. He's going to get popped. I just I don't know what it is that they're waiting on. Like What what more do they need? What's the difference between a, a, 20, a 22nd and a 23rd or a potentially a 24th? At some point, you got to make a call here. And, and it just feels like, look, I don't know, maybe they're waiting until, you know, things slow down a little bit and it'll be a topic of conversation. I, I don't know. I just I can't figure out what the delay is. I really can't. I don't well, know. We've what talked
0: I'll... about, too. They, you know, no one's brought a, a, no one's brought forth criminal charges. And that's in part because it's, it's a higher burden of proof as far as the evidence that you have to convict someone for that. That doesn't mean that they couldn't from some more information that does come out now. Look, is there some, you know, smoke and mirrors with what Tony Busby's doing? Of course, that's always going to be the case. And, you know, are you cynical if you look at the most recent accuser coming out after an HBO, uh, you know, real sports segment that's talking about it, you know, airs out everything. And, you know, you could you could be skeptical of that. Like, I understand that to sit there and say nothing wrong happened and that there's not going to be a suspension or punishment to me is insane. There has to be some sort of punishment given the NFL's track record. I think the interesting thing is I wonder if when Roger Goodell became commissioner of the NFL, which if you'll recall, and this is back over what, 15 years ago, he, the personal conduct policy was always written into the collective bargaining agreement. It was more about just enforcing it to the, to the d- degree in which he did. And they brought him in to be this enforcer, and he was. He was incredibly strict. I mean, remember all the Pac-Man Jones stuff early on, Tank Johnson, like all these players early on were getting suspended, getting in trouble. And maybe some of that was justified. But I do wonder if looking back, he doesn't look back at the beginning of it and go – Yeah, I didn't foresee this. Like, I didn't foresee the wide range of circumstances under which the NFL would have to enforce the player conduct policy and try to create some sort of punishment for it. I mean, in all seriousness, we have never seen and we will never see this again. We will not see another player face 23, maybe 24 eventually separate civil lawsuits, I don't think. It's that big of a rarity that I do wonder if Roger Gale and the NFL are like, yeah, maybe we should have walked that back or figured out something else how uh, we're going to handle
3: these situations. It's just, I mean, what a, what a just a weird situation. Like I, Deshaun Deshaun Watson's reputation, uh, that's a wrap, right? I mean, as far as like what what we all thought that w- was going on before. I mean, he's clearly got. You know, some sort of a, a thing. I don't know if you want to call it a fetish, whatever you want to label it. Like, there's clearly something there, but it's just, it, it, just thinking about all the conversations that were being had. Dabo Swinney, you know, coming out of uh, you know college, saying, "Oh, he's the next Michael Jordan." You want to draft this guy? Uh, you got Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, crying after getting the contract contract extension by the Houston Texans. I still think part of the reason why he wanted out of Houston is because he knew some of this stuff was coming to the surface, and he figured if he could just get out of town and blame the texas texans organization for being dysfunctional maybe that'll distract people from the stuff that's coming down the pike i just i look at it and i go the the image that we had of him and where he's at now completely changed forever like I, I, I think there's going to be a segment of the population that never forgives him for this much like there's a lot of people that still haven't forgiven Michael Vick for what he went through uh, right. with the dog fighting Ben Roethlisberger still had people bringing up the stuff off the field with him even towards the end of his career I just think Deshaun Watson's career and his trajectory from a PR standpoint completely changed it's, it's one of the
0: reasons why I think he keeps trying to fight it is because he knows if he settles it, it's an admission of guilt to a certain degree and and the reality is that's the only way I think he moves past this sooner than later. If he keeps letting this thing drag out, and he thinks he's going to be vindicated in court, like the court of public opinion is already is already going to judge him to yeah. your point, regardless of what comes out, because there's already some element of of wrongdoing that's taken place, and they might not be able to have the facts to convict him. But that's been the case in numerous other you know instances uh, with the NFL and, and players. And the trouble they have or haven't gotten into, and they've still been punished by the NFL. So I, I just, regardless of what he does, whether he wins all twenty-three separate lawsuits and whenever this drags on, which you think you know he'd want to settle just to allow himself to move on and, and play again, yes, and just move past this. It's a new team. It's a new city. It's you know they have Super Bowl aspirations because you're their quarterback now. Yet it's not going to be this year. Not if you keep dragging this thing on. So. Uh, look, it may be a great tactic to by Tony Busby to keep building on the lawsuits and putting more pressure in, and keeping in the public's eye, but the truth of the matter is uh, you know, there was some, some sort of wrongdoing was going on, and it's never going to change the image of Deshaun Watson.
1: It's, uh, just it's not. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: Dot com slash sports tirerackcom the way tire buying should be. The uh, SEC uh, spring meetings there, Brady Quinn, uh, feel a little oh, bit oh, more spicy. A right? little bit more spicy this year. We have got Where's all Jimbo sorts about? of – by the way, in all the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher drama, mm, and we're going to hear from uh, Nick Saban uh, you know, uh, talking again about his comments uh, aimed at Jimbo Fisher. and In all the uh, lost and all of that, we're forgetting that a guy changed his accent <laughs> – to take a job with LSU. Like, like, we're, like all of that has been... Like, that is how, yeah. how much has gone on in the SEC. We're forgetting Brian Kelly went from, you know, uh, a Northeast guy uh, to, uh, you know, uh, at Notre Dame to all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a stunt double off the first season of True Detective. Now he's in at LSU. It's, it's unbelievable that with that has been lost in all of this, which is a shame, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you should thank Jimbo Fisher or maybe Nick Saban, I'm not sure which, yeah. for taking some of that pressure off of it. <laughs> it, it was a calm... And, and cool offseason for the sec that might get a little more play out of it but i digress i mean he did basically say like hey he took the lsu job to beat nick saban so that, that's
3: true yeah he's um, gonna get
0: the chance to do that every single year yeah good, uh, even good. if they do away with divisions right so they can keep rivalries and they'll always be the iron bowl uh, Alabama LSU is another one that needs to stick to yes. J- just so you know, they'll have the opportunity to do that every single year
3: alright so l- let's get into the uh, before we hear from the Nick Saban save- stuff later on let's get into the uh, divisions and the potential changing now none of this is going to change uh, this upcoming season uh, they're going to stick with the traditional divisions yep. you've seen the Pac-12, the Mountain West uh, do away with divisions because they want to be able to determine their champion uh, and-, and all that is cute uh, but when it comes to the SEC uh, there's a debate between an 8- and a nine-game uh, SEC schedule. And the eight-game schedule would involve one common opponent uh, each right. year. And then the nine-game would involve three common opponents each year. Yeah. Okay. Love that. 100%. And and I get that you run the risk of losing more, and maybe it, it diminishes your chances to get to a college football playoff. But, look, college football's about rivalries. You could have two crappy teams. If they're rivals – we're in. Like, like nobody, nobody can, we're not thinking about college football playoff. If you've got the opportunity to set up a schedule where you have got multiple common opponents every single year, something you can look forward to every single year in the SEC, I think you're going to build up uh, more rivalries. I think you're going to establish more, and you're going to give people uh, something more to look forward to every single season. I think the nine game makes all the, all the sense in the world.
0: If I'm the SEC, I should want to go to nine games. I mean, you really should for this reason. It's only going to help enhance the TV revenue that's coming in. You get one of those extra conference games to sell, and that's what anyone who's buying the rights to the SEC wants. That's what advertisers want. They want conference games. Those are the ones that matter. They don't want some FCS school or some layup where no one's watching <laughs> past the first quarter. I'm just saying they don't. Like When you hear the behind the scenes of how these negotiations work for the TV money, <laughs> which is propping up this sport, it's, it's why it's been so successful. It's why it's growing. It's why coaches are getting paid what they're getting paid. It's why players now are saying, hold on a second. We see what's happening here. We're not getting a cut of all this. That needs to change, and it will. But for that reason alone, they need to be able to you know, make more revenue off of their TV deal, and playing a ninth conference game is something you get to sell to any network that's bidding on the rights to your conference. So for that reason, I mean, I would even make the case that if the SEC, which has toyed with the idea of having their own playoff, um, I mean, isn't that what the SEC championship kind of is, right? Like, Hell you yes. play to win your division. If you win your division, you go play for the SEC championship. I mean, isn't that quasi what the SEC – so what, what are you going to have, your only, <laughs> only playoff with the same teams playing again? A- anyway, um, if you had nine conference games, it only enhances your strength of schedule. I mean, it's not like all these SEC schools every year – are scheduling a difficult opponent. Yes, Alabama goes to Austin to take on Texas this year, which will be on Fox, by the way. Yeah. But that's not every single year you're getting one of those big-time Power Five opponents in your non-conference play. So if, if that's the case, put in another conference game. And it may not be the most difficult task, but as you said, it's still a conference opponent. It's better than an FCS opponent, a group of five team, or, or a lesser opponent from somewhere else. And, and it's going to sell for more. Now, the only thing that the sec and some of these schools might push back on is if you play eight there's a better chance that that you know non conference layup that another sec you know school might play helps them get to six wins and then six wins helps them get to bowl eligibility and we used to think bowl eligibility was like a big thing for schools to generate more revenue but the truth is they lose money on bowl games. I mean, there's only a few that actually make money when it's all said and done, You know, when you're talking about bowl season, that are outside of the New Year's Six. So if that's the case, what does it matter? Just so you can tell you went to a bowl game? I don't think anyone cares about that anymore. I don't even think recruits care about that anymore. I mean, hell, half the kids are either going to try to leave to go to the NFL and aren't playing in that bowl game if, you, if you're a six-win team, or the other half that's not playing is saying, well, you're not playing me here. I'm going to transfer out out of here and go elsewhere, so I'm not playing either. So I, I don't really see that as the biggest deterrent. I, I think all college football should have nine conference games. Make it a level playing field. It will be easier to then compare whether it's a 14 playoff, an 18 playoff, 12, 10, whatever you want it still makes it more of an apples-to-apples comparison. So I don't see any downside in it for the SEC. And and,
3: and let's be honest here. Once they came out with the college football playoff, it kind of took away some of the importance of a lot of these bowl games because now when you realize there's clearly an A-side and then you got a bunch of B-sides – I mean, yeah, like, it just hasn't been the same. Like, a lot of the traditional bowl games just haven't felt the same since they've told you these are the premier games, it's the two yeah. semifinals, and then you got the championship game. So the whole oh. bowl game argument I, I don't <laughs> think is there.
0: And that was, that, that's part of the argument. for. There's some traditionalists out there who don't even like the 14 playoff, and, and, and they don't even like the, like the BCS era. They were kind of like, hey, why not take it back to the old days? You, you want to make bowl games enticing? Well, You know, college football has always been about the regular season. It's always been about, you know, the schedule they actually play before they get to the bowl game. And so teams would used to schedule really difficult schedules because they wanted to make sure they were somewhere up high in the AP ranking, the coaches pull and all that. And then two teams would basically go play off in a bowl game. And depending on how that performance would go, you'd have the AP vote on who they thought was the best team. And it was like, all right, like we have you know years when you've got other teams who could claim a national championship. I mean, hell, UCF did that recently. Yeah. But there's some people who like liked that better because now it kind of makes every bowl game important to a degree. Not maybe not every, but a lot of bowl games important because you might have four teams who could technically claim. You know, maybe they should have a piece of a national championship. You know, depending on how the AP sees them or the coaches' poll sees them. So there's, there obviously are people out there who feel that way. I, I personally would rather have a bigger playoff than no playoff whatsoever. I think we are moving in the right direction. We just got to get everyone else joining in. I, I just, to me, this is such an easy discussion for, I think, most schools in the SEC and to say to them, look, we could play an additional conference game and we're going to make more money on our TV deal. And so you guys get even more money. Because just so you all know, all the coaches are sitting in this room. We got two extra teams coming in our conference, Oklahoma, Texas. Not sure if you realize this, oh, but when you go from 14 teams to 16 teams, uh, it's going to cut down on how much revenue we're getting because now we're all sharing this. It'll go up to, to a degree because we've gotten you know bigger inventory. We've got bigger brands. But still, if we have nine conference games with this big of a conference, right, it makes complete sense, and we can still keep those rivalries intact by playing nine games where you got three games that are the same every single year. So it seems like a slam dunk, and to me it would be another step for the SEC putting itself in position one in college football for being the best conference.
3: Uh, what are, so if, if they go to this nine-game route, and they're going to set up three common opponents every single year, if you're Texas, which makes oh, sense, yeah. Oklahoma, Texas yep. A&M, yep. And, then, and then who's the third?
0: It's tough because, I mean, I don't know that um, – I don't know that – I mean, I, I'd, I'd say, you know, maybe you look at somewhere like Arkansas. Yeah, um, no, that makes there, sense. There's, there's some, like, low-key rivalry there, but I don't know that I'd want to, like, factor them on another – like like Alabama, for example. I don't know that I'd want to see Texas-Alabama every year. No. I think it'd be cool to have that rotating. Same uh, with LSU. Same I, don't think, with, I don't
3: think Texas wants that either, to be honest well, with you. Well, not now. Yeah,
0: not now. <laughs> I want to take a take a few more years building <laughs> yeah. this thing back up.
3: Yeah, so um, I'm just looking around at like some of the potential here. I like uh, South Carolina uh, and Georgia's Ooh, always been a traditional yeah. matchup. Uh, yeah. Georgia, Florida, you know the world's largest uh, outdale co- outdoor cocktail party. Can they even call that anymore? I don't think they can call it that anymore. I think they got uh, they got a what, bunch Drove of smoke for that. Yeah, something like that. People were, uh, you know, well, it that's outdoors that, though. I I, I agree. You and know look, what it man. was? People
0: weren't wearing their mask in between sips of the that's drink. That's a good point. And that's what
3: happened. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. Also, let me just ask you. that I just want to throw playing devil's advocate here for for somebody who is in favor of the eight team play, eight team schedule as opposed to the nine game, just so you could have more FCS opponents for the SEC. On the FCS side of things, I know people look at it and go, "Well, this is a, this is a weak way out for the SEC. They're just stacking up wins uh, so they can make their schedule easier to try and guarantee college football playoff spots." I get it, but these FCS schools get paid for playing these games, like you're basically play, million uh, being, bucks. yeah, so I'm looking at some of the, and this is from um, uh, Sam Herder, who put this together, like a list of the payouts this upcoming season. Eastern Washington is playing at Florida. Some of these lower schools, eastern Washington playing at Florida. they're getting paid seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for that. That yeah. goes a long way for that program. I, Alabama's playing Austin P later on this year. It's probably their homecoming game. Austin is getting paid six hundred thousand dollars for that. Yeah. So you do all of a sudden maybe lose out on potential revenue for some of those schools if they start to take away some of those FCS uh, games being played. And, and so I just wonder if if, if how how we're going to make that up for some of those smaller schools or if they're going to figure out another option. That
0: that's, that's um, one I mean I'm look if you're about. playing twelve regular season games. I mean, you've got three non-conference to work with. That's plenty. Okay, you can schedule one of those teams, you know, every year, and the other two you probably like to have. Um, you know, maybe one that's like an outside of the conference, um, and a non-traditional rival. You see that sometimes. Yeah. But or, or just a more difficult opponent. Like you know, maybe it's it's one of the the other more reputable programs around college football in another Power Five conference. But there's still there's still three games to work with there. Like, let's not. Lose sight of all this, you know the the SEC has had four. I, I mean, you can you can do a lot with those three games in your non-conference schedule to not necessarily overburden yourself with that schedule difficulty, but but also be able to help help out an FCS school while at the same time building out a, a difficult schedule.
3: God, I can't wait for college football, man. I cannot wait for college football. Just being on the set of Big Noon Kickoff with you, like it's going to be so much fun. Uh, just so much fun, man, being in Austin, you know, for uh, Texas, yeah. Alabama. How about that? There,
0: there's a better chance my eldest daughter Sloan is going to be on
1: set this year <laughs> than, than you being on set for by the Noon By Kickoff. the way,
3: you'll do better ratings than me. That's for sure. Uh, people rather, yeah, they would rather uh, watch that.
1: 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up,
0: everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler T.J. Hushmanzada and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ
3: Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Right now, uh, we turn it over to the great Petros Papadakis, yeah. host of the Petros and Money Show on AM570 LA Sports, the blowtorch of Southern California, and an analyst for Fox's college football coverage. Uh, Petros, uh, old old big league and Petros over there, uh, joining us here on a Wednesday. Why? Who got big league? <laughs> uh, you big league me. I sent you a text the other night. Uh, I was uh, doing laundry. I was What? List- yeah, I was listening to Pandora. Boy, where's and- my
2: phone? Oh, was it about, oh, I got one from Brady the other day, too.
3: Temple the dog came on and Don McClain, uh, former NBA player, uh, a Simi Valley legend, uh, who's a, a regular on your show. I know that's his theme song. And so I sent you a picture of it with a little snake emoji because I know you call him the snake killer. And uh, I got nothing in return. Just I'm old sorry, big league and Petros. sorry, let me find that
2: and I will. Um...
3: Yeah, if you could just respond now on the air, that'd be <laughs> Petros, great.
0: Petros, do you still give out your cell phone number on the yeah, air? Yeah, once a
2: year. <laughs> the secret textoso line. So I get a few hundred texts a day <laughs> in, in, in my defense. But that's no excuse because Jonas's name is in there how, and I should How go back to it. So how
0: do you go about managing it? Do you, do you even pay attention
2: to him? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's just kind of like a wave of emotion. It's like having a Twitter, but it's personal. Like huh. super personal. No one <laughs> else can see it. Uh, but it's great because nothing gets by me. And the thing I need to do more is just kind of get rid of my uh, phone more often. <laughs> you know, just leave it somewhere and and not be connected to it. But, like, for example, we did a show uh, the other day. You know, we we are the Charger Station in Los Angeles. Yeah. And my partner, thank you, and my partner <laughs> <laughs> is the voice of the Chargers. Yeah. So, uh because of that, we have to do like Charger events, and one of them recently was like their draft party, which I told you about. There's a lot of people there, and Snoop Dogg played. Nice. But, I mean, they literally put us right right in the middle of the bass bin, as Matt said. Like we, like they blasted music at us while we tried to do a two hour sports talk radio show. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so uh, we had to wear it in that regard
0: (laughs) (laughs) that happened to me one time too um i mean it granted it happened on a jewish holiday and it was a jewish band but still same thing (laughs) it was not it was not it was uh i I don't know what was going on to be honest with you but jonas can attest to that it was was almost like a uh, like a mixer you know it looked like a lot of single guys looking at a lot of single girls and everyone's looking to hook up so and you were doing a show uh, I saw I rented an office in a building that apparently was owned by by a Jewish family. And so unbeknownst to me, What's wrong with that, Brady, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But I didn't realize on, on a particular, you know, weekends or nights, they would would have parties in these common areas. Well, obviously, this particular common area was right outside my office. So things got pretty lively and pretty loud. And Jonas is like, what the hell is going on in the background? You can hear it on the air. Yeah, there's nothing I could do about it. I said I I didn't expect there
2: to be a party. Like a J-Date mixer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
3: that's one way (laughs) of describing it, My
2: point was, like, when we were doing that, like, my phone was just exploding, you know, because the show was so... Uh, distracting. It was so loud. There was like a DJ woman who played a violin at the same time. I mean, it was absolutely uh, just a, an assault on the ears. And the phone, the Textoso line, was just 30 texts every 10 seconds. F this. What's the matter with you? Your show sucks. <laughs> Kill the sound guy. You know, just all that stuff. And And I would just hand it to the promotions guy at uh am 570 and, uh, Dave, Weiss? Uh, yeah, Dave Weiss yeah Dave Weiss and say here watch look at this this is my life enjoy this yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sure Weiss was there to help though <laughs> they were dumbfounded <laughs> like they couldn't believe it they talked about it for weeks you know so that is the that is the burden I carry that yeah, is the we'll cross listen. I bear yeah. is the, the t- secret textoso line and perhaps it's a reason for my cynicism it all started when uh When I was so excited, when I was first on the radio, I was walking into a hotel in downtown L.A., and there was a Latino gentleman with a gigantic L.A. logo tattooed on his face. And he was fixing... Yeah, come on. And he was fixing (laughs) the... uh, the door i mean it was so big that he had to shave his head so you could see the whole thing
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah just so you didn't see
2: the letter a on his face you know what i'm talking yeah. about and he was fixing a glass door this is a. I don't think i've ever told anybody this story or at least i haven't in years and uh i was walking into the building and he had recognized me and it wasn't as a football player or anything like that it was from the radio and he said uh you know, textoso. And he started pushing like a phone, like with his finger, like acted like he uh, wanted my number. And he said, textoso, textoso. And I said, yeah, I'll give you my number. You can text me. (laughs) And I did that. (laughs) And I just started to do it randomly to (laughs) listeners, you know, all over that they could just text me. And I realized like that was a good way to get information. And uh, so I just started giving it out on the (laughs) air. What kind of information exactly? All of the information. (laughs) It's It's all information, good information? No, but you have to be an aggregator and you have to pick through the feces. uh, (laughs) So you're down the sewage pipes
3: picking
0: through all the sports information. To find somebody's wedding ring. (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Like, for example, Brady, uh, years ago uh, when Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, was was uh, still a Laker, and they hired Mike Brown. Was this was twenty-four tw- or, or eight Kobe? Oh, uh, Gosh, I, I think I think it was eight. I mean, okay,
0: some they
3: people differentiate
2: uh, between the two, uh, like they're two different
0: Pet- people. Petrus,
3: you're a Kobe historian. I figured you would know that. A surprise here.
2: <laughs> they hired Mike Brown, <laughs> the uh, the Sacramento coach, and no one knew uh, anything about has Kobe talked to him. Is Kobe approved? You know, this all the superstar basketball talk that we still live in, in, in this city today. And the text also said, hey, I'm a waiter at Pelican Bay, and Kobe and Mike Brown are eating lunch here right now. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> did that waiter get fired? Yes. <laughs> did he proclaim it to be worth it for the rest of his life? I believe so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is the power of the secret text. Didn't, Kevin, text Sum-
3: didn't Kevin Sumlin fire his pool boy because uh, he was on the phone and he sent out a tweet that said, uh, I-, "I hopefully he's talking to a new defensive coordinator." And Kevin Sumlin tweeted back at him and fired him on Twitter. Like yeah. I remember that being that being a story, kind wow. of a, kind of an a hole move to lose your job or something like that. You know? had you
2: met Kevin? Uh, no. Yes. Yeah, so well, I like, I had the pleasure of being with Kevin in multiple meetings at the University of Arizona when things were going deeper than south, <laughs> south of no north. Well, when's
0: the last time they were going
2: anywhere above uh, north or anything? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, that would be Rich Rod. That would be uh, Rich, Rich Rodriguez's Rod. right. first
0: year. That's right. he gave me some uh, of the best uh, fitness advice, by the way, too. My he favorite. says, "Hey now." You get on that elliptical, you put it on the highest setting it's got, and you go hard like hell
2: for 20 minutes. That's
0: like,
3: right.
1: right,
2: Rich Rod. <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: right. He there coached like
2: that too, didn't he? He uh, did. That's a good my favorite thing, thing about energy. Rich Rod is like you'd be sitting in a meeting and he'd put his feet up and then put his uh, – Arms behind his head and then stretch out way far, and his shirt would go like right below his nipple. <laughs> and then he'd swing his uh, his torso at me and just be like, Let me tell you this, Petros, I'm mean. And then just go on about all their problems. I liked Rich Rod. Then He's I'd great. watch him get so red faced and angry during the game, and I'd worry that his face was going to fly off, you know, or his head was going to explode. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Rich Rodriguez was the last time they had success with a quarterback who was a freshman named Anew Solomon. Yeah. And they won the Pac-12 South, I think, the first year of the (laughs) Pac-12 South. And uh, Anew Solomon knocked himself silly, Uh, ended up finishing his career at Baylor, I believe. And uh, that was the last time they really bared down in Tucson. But they have a new quarterback the kid, Jaden DeLora, who was very good for Wazoo State, the yeah. last two years. And he's going to start. And then they, they recruited a guy behind him named uh, Noah Fafita. I think LeVar knows him from his high school exploits.
0: <laughs> was he a part of that fight? Is that, that, that occurred? No, yeah. no. He played in <laughs>
2: servite. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I wanted to get fair. into that with LeVar. I got a bunch of I tweets know. and texts about it from <laughs> I all the I, I mean, there was a lot going on in that. Well, there's video. nothing to me like a seven on seven fight. I mean, oh, let's yeah. go. When, when, when did they stop well, finally wearing helmets? Something.
0: When did they stop wearing helmets for seven on seven? Because when I was. When, when back did when they I was start? Young, we, we always wore like so a real helmet shorts? or like yeah, that weird, helmet.
3: like uh... that padded helmet. No, yeah. <laughs> we
0: wear, wear a real helmet because the whole thought process was, what's the point of wearing this like soft padded helmet or this head protection? It's like you might as well have a helmet on if you're going to actually protect your head from getting who an, was a who
2: was this? Uh, who was this person? Dude, we used to go, dude, back in the day for seven on seven, we used to just go bare face, bare head. Yeah. Just naked dome, <laughs> or some kind of you know, or the the '90s do rag. Of cutting off the sleeve of a short oh, sleeve yes. shirt yeah, and put putting it on your thumb. oh man yeah. with it's like a, a
3: uh, like if you uh, lifted uh, two hundred pounds on the bench they gave you a t shirt that said two hundred pound club and so yeah, you just you cut to, the sleeves off that and, and throw it, it on the, your head
2: put it on put you know put the other one somewhere where, where if you lose yeah. the other one you can put the other one on your head
3: yeah that's a good I remember
2: dyeing my hair you know, pink you know, when I was at USC pounds, to us. I dyed my hair pink and uh, I had one of those. Uh, Things and we were doing winter conditioning and I had the thing on my head and we were doing our drills and our defensive coordinator said take that damn thing off and I took it off and he said put that thing damn it back on put it on <laughs> <laughs> was that was that Ed Orstron? Who, who no was Bill Ed Young, Young. <laughs> Bill Young Ed was uh, a <laughs> Ed, oh, Ed Talk Patros Ed Talk Patros he said my name. <laughs>
0: All right, do we want to get into the Lakers' new hire? Do we want to talk about Darvin Ham?
2: Hey, Dar- yeah, no, right. I'm pissed. Really? Yeah, I tweeted out like a tweet of like a rolling ham. I saw that. I thought it was like – And no one liked hands. it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I liked I it. I Did I not like it? Yeah, no, it was I'm, like Jonas, you know. Oh, I'll I'll couldn't go go right right no I couldn't even get it. No love for Temple of the Dog. I, you I, know? I, will, I
3: will find it right now. I was just like, On man, this tweet, it
2: was, this tweet is fire.
3: Rolling ham. And no one cared. think I liked
2: it. Well, you were one of the few. Uh,
3: uh, I'd seen the rolling uh, ham uh, in in reply to a bleacher report. uh, Right? I was like, I
2: am on this. Here's me, Laker content. Bleacher report says they hired Darvin Ham. Boom. Here's a tweet of rolling ham balls through uh, a desert like tumbleweeds. (laughs)
3: I mean, come on. It's at the old P on Twitter. I'm the 39th like. All right, I'm engaging. So, uh, yeah, let's go. Four days old. Uh, maybe we can get that up to
2: 100. I mean, when you tweet something fire like that, you expect a little heat, but nothing.
3: Uh, on, a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did you care about the Lakers' uh, new head coach hire, Petros? Scale of 1 to 10. Uh, four.
2: (laughs) I would say four because people have to, you know, people come on the show and you have to say, hey, what do you think about the hire? You know, and then they go into it. I more want to hear about your thoughts on Martin
0: Brundle and the flack he's getting for his uh, interview style, which I think is fantastic. F these people.
2: Yeah. You know, the thing is, Martin Brundle's more famous than now. Uh, it's, it's Martin Brundle's birthday actually, by the way. All right. So Martin Brundle's a really famous old race car driver, uh, Mostly F1, but Le Mans and all that stuff. He's an international superstar. I mean, he really is. And he's been like the John Madden or whatever you want to put on him. Uh, Whatever comparable United States. I mean, it's a very popular sport all over the the world. The
3: Brady Quinn of
2: of Uh, uh, Europe. What Brady Quinn is to Notre Dame. Yeah. Martin Brundle Uh, is to uh, the rest of the world. Other than here. Leprechaun. Uh, (laughs) Probably the leprechaun. We had the black leprechaun when I was playing. Of course, oh, we discussed that in the past. <laughs> did
3: you really? Yes. <laughs> you had a black leprechaun?
2: No, Notre Dame had one. Notre Dame did. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah.
2: And in the tunnel, he would taunt you, and it did not go over well. Big fight. <laughs> I went down. Bob Davey went down. <laughs> it was a rough year. Bob he Brady's job. not the only one that took the field there. I mean, he did more than me. I mean, I'll give him that. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a really famous per- – it's the equivalent of, like a, of, of Brady Quinn walking up to you with a microphone at a Notre Dame.
1: Oh, man. I mean, in he's the paddock in of an
2: – if you're in the paddock of an F1 race and a guy has a microphone and he's talking to you, that means he's really important. No one's allowed down there but him. And because they're the rights holder, it's Sky Sports. Sky Sports and their production of the F1 is otherworldly. And he shouldn't be getting flack. Uh, The people should be getting flack for not doing the interview. Don't show up at a race where there's oil and grease and the smell of fumes and gas and try to act bougie. Uh, It's not cool. Talk to Martin Brundle or be eviscerated in the global uh, opinion uh of most.
3: <laughs> By the way, Petros, uh we're up to 52 likes on the Rolling Hams. Oh my god. Look at that. I mean, this is exploding.
2: Let's go. <laughs> exploding. I'm not going to I'm not going back to sleep. I'm just going to stare at my phone.
3: You guys bang. remember
0: Darvin Ham from the Dunk contest though? Wasn't he in a dunk yeah, contest? Yeah, he was a big
2: dunker. That was Yeah, that thing. was what I
0: remember about. But him. he
2: was a hardworking, gritty player, Brady. Oh my bad.
0: Yeah. All
3: right.
2: Well, I remember him being in the duck. No no I'm not saying you don't have to apologize for it. What's the matter with you?
3: Well listen, you know, You're I mean, like I a was beaten thirteen dog, I think, or fourteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah pointed
2: Anyway, out. Martin Brundle is a saint. And uh how old is he today? Let me see here. Hey, Petros, you he know broke had birthday his ankle, recently. Uh and almost lost his leg. And I lost my leg climbing up the topsail. <laughs> you know who my... just had their birthday, Petros? He's sixty two. Uh who? You might be talking to one of them.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Brady? No. Happy birthday, Brady. Jonas
2: yesterday. Yeah. I didn't know that, Jonas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yesterday was my son's birthday, too, and that. my mom. Hey, a- a-
3: and Clint Eastwood, Colin Farrell, you know, like everybody. Wow. Like, May 31st, yeah. a big and day. Clive man.
2: Hunt, the great Jamaican trumpet player and reggae producer.
3: I was just going to say that before you cut me off. Right? I'm God. sorry.
2: You know what? That's, I'm a one-upper. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I am. Oh,
3: I did. Oh, I forgot.
0: I did reach out to Petros this weekend. Did I leave you a voice note? Yeah, you left me a voice I left note. Voice note. I, you know,
2: I was with this guy who was a Notre Dame fan on the beach, and then. And I turned to play it for him, and it was gone. I was like, it disappeared. It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I look like an idiot. Uh, I, I think I was—I uh, was Yeah, you were back. mocking me about. That's why I didn't no. get back to. Uh, that's why I, I didn't get back to Joe. I wasn't because I wasn't you were mocking me. Mo- now, and I remember, I was drunk. I was, I was on the beach. It was Memorial Day. I wasn't mocking you. I was on a private beach. And I got a, I got a uh, message from Brady that was like, you know, it's great. It's Memorial Day. I'm just sitting out here having a great time. Listen to some 311, Some really
1: good.
2: <laughs> authentic yeah. reggae yeah. music. And I was like, F <laughs> this guy. Snarky,
3: smart
0: ass voice notes no, from Brady Quinn. It was our inside joke on it after he went off on 311 the
2: last time we had this conversation about reggae. And Fun. then the next thing, then later in the night, I get a text from Jonas. With the with, the, uh, <laughs> and I'm like f these guys yeah, in their why? '90s music.
3: Oh man! <laughs> uh, all right, and I Petros lost my uh, leg. At, at the old P on uh, on Twitter. See if we can get the Rolling Hams up to 100 Climbing likes. up the uh, top. Sale. I mean, we're almost at 90 now. Uh, this is exploding here on the air live as we uh, we are talking to Petros. Petros, we appreciate it. We're up against it. Uh, let's do it again next week.
2: And I lost my
3: leg. There he leg. is, the great Petros Papadakis. Uh, Fox Sports Radio has the best sports
1: talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at Fox And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.